0: It's good to see you all in the house of the Lord today if you have your Bibles and I hope you do. Turn to 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter. 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter. I'm going to visit with you today about God's weapon in the hand of God's man. God's weapon in the hand of God's man. Now this is going to be one of those... uh, one of those uh, sermons where we're going to look at quite a few Bible Scriptures, so uh, keep your Bibles open and be ready to go. Second Samuel, the 23rd chapter, we're going to begin reading in verse 9. Amen? Amen. Amen you? Okay. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, or Hotite, however you say that one of the three mighty men with David when they defiled the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle and the men of Israel were gone away. And he arose talking about Elizar, and smote or struck the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave or stuck unto the sword And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after Him only to spoil. That word spoil means to plunder. Now, in this Scripture, we find a very inspiring story tucked away in these couple of verses. Now, if you're not real astute in studying the Bible, you may have never read this story. You may have never heard of this Eleazar. But he was one of David's mighty men. In fact, there are a number of names. If you look there in 2 Samuel, you will find a number of names of those soldiers who distinguished themselves in combat for David, which are recorded there uh, in 2 Samuel. But, however, out of all of those names that are mentioned, There were particularly three that were honored, and that was Joseph, Shammah, and Eleazar, the great character. Now, you say, well, what was so great about this guy? Well, he is particularly remembered for his heroic deeds in a battle with the Philistines. We know this because, and let's just turn, we can find more about this story. Flip over to 1 Chronicles, the 11th chapter. Flip over to 1 Chronicles, the 11th chapter, beginning in verse 12. What chapter am I We're 11. Because in, in this uh, 1 Chronicles, the 11th chapter, we're told a little bit more about this story. All right, 1 Chronicles 11. Verse 12, And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo the Ahohite, who was one of the three mightiest. He was with David at Pasdema, and there the Philistines were gathered together to battle where, where was a parcel or a piece of ground full of barley, and the people fled from before the Philistines. And they sat, talking about David and Eleazar, stationed themselves. They set themselves, which means stationed, in the midst of that parcel and delivered it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. Now, the battle scene was called, and I'm probably mispronouncing this really, really bad, Pazadamon. Or something along those lines. And what that means is the dell of bloodshed. Or the basin of bloodshed. And what I found so interesting about this, and you may not even realize this, this is the exact same place where David slew Goliath. The exact same place. So, he defeated the Goliath. Now, so what I'm saying is, and the reason I pointed that out to you is, this place seems to be a reoccurring headache for the Israelites. Because Saul, you remember King Saul, he had been held up in the same place by the Philistines until David stepped in. And now David has returned there facing the same enemy, the Philistines, in another confrontation so you know there's a very great lesson to be learned here and that is what I have found out is that the enemy often time brings us back to the same place the time and time again brings us back to the same battlegrounds places where we have been held up before in the past in fact you know as I look back over my Christian life, as as I look back over my Christian walk, my greatest battles have been fought on the same battleground as before. It it, it seems over the same thing time and time again. Some of those same things that I had already dealt with. Some of the same battles that I have had to fight before. Some of those same issues that have confronted me at, at some time before. And it seemed like I ended up on the same battleground again. So it's here at Pasadamum, uh, again, that the Philistines have grouped themselves together to take on David's army. And undoubtedly, it seems that the, the Philistines were uh, uh, pretty serious. They, they must have been a bunch of pretty uh, tough looking guys because, you know, somewhat of a terrifying foe because the Bible says that all the men of Israel had gone away. They had fled in fear. But David and this man that we're talking about, Eleazar, took up position. These two men stationed themselves or take a stance in this little barley field in a small valley. And as David is preparing himself and getting ready for battle, he takes a look around and he he recognizes, he says, I have been here before. Fighting the same Philistine opposition before, and as David and Elazar are preparing and they understand this plot plight that they're in, this flight that they're in, David and Elazar knew what they had to do, and, and the Philistine army was so overtaken. Look what it says there in the Bible that when the other men returned, the other men of Israel returned, all that was left for them to do was the looting of the dead man. So what a man this Eleazar was. And if we take a little bit closer look at at him, we can learn a lot from him and his weapon. Now, here, here's the first thing I want you to see. I want you to go back to 2 Samuel 23 verse 10. The first thing that we, we see when we start dissecting that verse is the adequacy of Elazar's weapon. Look in verse 10. The Bible says that he arose, he got up, and he smote the Philistines, until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. Did you get that? And then it says, And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. In other words, Eleazar brought down the entire Philistine armed forces with just one weapon in his hand and that was his trusty sword. That's all he had. In fact, it was a weapon he had confidence in. And, and I believe without a shadow of a doubt that probably Elazar had fought many battles before this with the same sword. In fact, it, it had been his reliable sword because he he cared for it, he 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 continually took care of it, he was continually sharpening it, and he was continually oiling it, and he knew it would not fail him in the heat of battle and here's what I want you to get you you probably sitting there thinking, well well, preacher, what do you get what 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 are you talking about what has this got to do with us?" We have got to know the sufficiency of our own sword. You have got to know that your sword is two-edged and when you need it, it will cut going and it will cut coming. You've got to know that your sword is available to you day and night. In fact, it is a lamp. "...for your feet and it is a light unto your path." And your your sword is a battle axe in the time of war. Your sword is a weapon of many facets. You can lean on it when you are tired. You can depend on it when you are weary. You can consult with it when you are confused. You, you know, you can reach for it when you are in need... And Elazar handled his sword with confidence because it had proven to be reliable to him and for him time and time again. So we see the sufficiency of his sword. But we also see that it was a weapon that he was familiar with. Elazar had had by constant use had mastered that sword before he ever came to the battlefield i can see elazar elizar with his sword practicing pretending like he's fighting imaginary battles pretending he's fighting thousands of imaginary enemies and he had practiced for hours and hours on end with this sword So he was familiar with how it felt. He was familiar with the weight of it. He knew what it could cut through. He knew how much force it took to swing that that sword. He knew how to use it both defensively as well as offensively. And he was totally at ease using it. Why? Because he was so familiar with it that it became just like an extension to his own arm. Now what has that got to do with us? I can see bewilderment wrote on all of y'all's faces. Well, let me tell you. Eleazar's sword provides us with the picture of the weapon that God has placed in the hands of Christians. What did I tell you the title of this sermon was? God's Weapons... In the hand of God's man. You say, well, okay, Mr. Smart Alec Preacher Man, what is my weapon? What am I supposed to be so dependent upon? Well, let's just turn to Ephesians 6.17 and we'll find out. Ephesians the 6th chapter verse 17 Oh gosh Amen Ephesians the 6th chapter verse 17 Praise God. R.L. finally got Wi-Fi and he found it. What does it say? It says, take up the helmet of salvation and what? The sword of the Spirit, which is what? The The Word of God. The Word of God. We're told to take up the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. But my question is this. Now remember, we talked about Eleazar and how he took on the Philistine army with his trusty sword. My question to you is, do we know our weapon? Do we know our weapon? And the question is, do we know it well enough that we have unflinching confidence in it? In other words, we need to study the Word. We need to know the power of the Word. We need to learn the strength of the Word. But the most important thing that I want you to see of those is that you have to know the power of the Word. Why is that so important? Well, let me just share this with you. It does not matter. If preacher after preacher assures you that God's Word is unfailing. It doesn't matter if I stand up here and present God's Word in such a a way that it just rings out with truth to you. Because it will all just simply be words until you begin to live out God's words in your own life and then you will see for yourself that his words never fails, He keeps his promises and that he is always faithful to his word. And then at that point you will have a unflinching, undaunted unwavering confidence in the weapon that God has placed in your hand. My question is, are you familiar enough with the weapon that God has put into your hand that you know that there is an answer in the Word of God for every situation you will ever face in this lifetime? Have you thought about that? The fact of the matter is, if we haven't spent any time in the Word, we won't know those answers when we need them. Eleazar's sword was sufficient for battle. But for him to be effective with it, he needed to have confidence in it and be totally familiar with it. The Word of God is sufficient for every battle that we have to fight. How well do we know our weapon? And how often do we hone our skill? How often do we oil it? How often do we sharpen our weapon? And how importantly and most importantly, how often do we use our weapon? Look at here, I want to show you something real quick. Turn to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 12. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 12. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You need to study that verse in detail, right there, folks. Because I want to tell you, the Word of God is not merely a collection of words from God. It's not just a vehicle for communicating ideas. It is living. It is life-changing. And it is dynamic as it works in us. It's just like a surgeon being very incisive with his knife. That's what the Word of God does to us. God's Word reveals who we are and what we are not, it, it penetrates. The core of not only our moral life, but our spiritual life as well. It discerns what is within us, whether it be good or whether it be evil. It demands, God's Word demands and requires a decision. So, we don't only just need to listen to it, but we need to let it do what? We need to let it shape our life. Now the next thing that I want you to see is the stubbornness of Eleazar's grip. Go back to 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter, verse 10. It says that his hand clave unto the sword. Oh, I like that. I like that. Eleazar's hand. Clave unto the sword, despite the fact. Get this now. The situation seemed helpless, and it seems hopeless. Why? Because all of the rest of the army has left. It's just him and David. That's all that is there. They've gone away. You know. So you say, well, then what's what's the point, Elazar? Why? Why did you hang around? And I dare say. I dare say, 99% of us, I ain't very many of us here, so that starts ruling out people in a hurry. 99% of us, if we found ourselves in this same situation, would get up and leave as fast as we could. Probably so. Which wouldn't be very fast in our case. <laughs> but we see Elazar and David standing firm, taking a stand. Now, there's two points that I want you to see out of that. The first point is this just because people tell you they're in the fight with you, don't mean they're going to stay in the fight with you. When it starts getting a little hot and a little heavy, they'll cut and run in a New York minute. Just like that. Leave you high and dry. And the other point is when you have the Word of God, know that you can face a whole multitude of Philistines by yourself. You remember King David? Well, he wasn't king. You remember little shepherd boy David? And there was Goliath? Why did God put... Goliath in front of little shepherd boy David? That's the first question. The next question I have for you is Has God ever put a Goliath in front of you? Why? Have you ever thought about that? Why? Why did God put Goliath in front of David? Because he knew David could go out and take care of that giant. Why does God put a Goliath in front of you? Is it because he's got the confidence in you to say, I know you can beat this giant? Are you going to be able to stand firm? Are you going to be able to have enough of the sword of the Spirit in you to take on the Goliath, or are you going to cut and trail and run? You see, despite all the human resources being gone, he arose, Eleazar arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. Folks, I mean, he was tired. He was exhausted. He was so tired, all of his human strength was drained. But he didn't give up because he had some extended power. The Bible said that his hand claved to that sword and and it claved to the power. That word clave means that, that when he fought with that sword, it was just perfect style. It was perfect rhythm. But there's one more point that we need to see. And this is my my last point. I'm going to wrap it up. We need to talk about the securer of Eleazar's victory. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says in verse 10 of 2 Samuel 23, God wrought a great victory that day. Here is the strength of Eleazar's sword. You see, God took one warrior, God took one man, and used him to defeat an entire army. It was God that secured that battle, that victory for him. That's, That's who did it. You see, Eleazar trained himself. And he was an expert with that sword. He clung to it through battle. But the power of God enabled him, empowered him, permitted him and authorized him to defeat the Philistines. I love the way the Bible says it. I love 2 Corinthians 10.4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of, of strongholds. Let me tell you this. We are just merely weak humans. That's all we are. But we don't need to use human plans. We don't need to use human methods to win our battles. God is has given us mighty weapons and they're available to us as we fight against Satan's strongholds or whatever else we have to fight against. Every day we have to choose what method we're going to use. Are we going to use God's weapons or are we going to use our own strength? You know, God's mighty weapons. And I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about hope. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about God's Word. How about the Holy Spirit? All of those things are powerful and effective, but we have got to know how to use them. Amen. And let me just throw this in in case you don't know. Y'all know what Elazar means? Elazar means God's helper. Elazar means God is my helper. In other words, He helps me when I'm in trouble. He helps me when I'm in need. He helps me with whatever I'm going through. He helps me when I'm down. And I can hear Eleazar saying that that God indeed helped him overthrow the enemies of, of Israel. And that's a word for someone that has been dealing with the enemy that God can give you the strength to defeat the Philistines in your life. God was the secure of Eleazar's victory. And I can tell you this evening that God's weapons in the hand of God's man or woman is a very Powerful, awesome thing. Why do I say that? Because His Word is sufficient for every situation that you and I will ever face. But we need to know it. We need to have confidence in it. And most of all, we need to be familiar with it. So, how can we do that? How can we have confidence in the Word? Well, we learn to honor the Lord, Word. We we have to understand the Lord is able to secure every victory for us, no matter what the odds. And I know that the victory is mine. When the battle is the Lord's. Did you get that? All I'm telling you is this. That if you've got God on your side. You have already won. If you have got God on your side. You have already become victorious. You know why the reason a lot of people fail in battle? Is because they never prepare. They wait until they're in the middle of battle. And then they don't know what to do. You know why other people succeed in their battles? It's because they use those mighty weapons. They win that battle on their knees before they ever get in a fight. And I want you to think about that. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories and I'm going to wrap this up. There was a little boy riding a four-wheeler. Had a very bad accident. And they were and his family were out in the middle of nowhere. No cell phone service. Had a kind of an unreliable landline. Tried to reach the doctor, tried to get help, wasn't finding any success. And in walks Grandma with a shawl around her shoulders. And she said, I hear my grandson's hurt. I hear you're trying to get in touch with the doctor, but you can't. So I'm going to call my doctor. And one of her grandchildren handed her the phone and she said, I don't need that phone. All I need is that little closet right there. And she went in that closet and she started praying. And that prayer saved that young man's life. That is being familiar with the mighty weapon that God has provided for us. Lori found this one time on the internet somewhere. And I may have told you this story before. But this is a story of a man that lost his wife to breast cancer. At a very early age. Had two small boys. And him and them two small boys were standing there at that casket looking at his wife, their mother, for the last time. Here on earth. And up walked his old dad. His old dad had quit school when he was in the third grade because he had to provide for the family. And this boy called his dad the smartest man he ever knew. And that man walked up as him and those two boys was looking in that casket. He put his arm around his son and he said two words. Stand firm. You gotta stand firm. My question to you today is are you familiar enough with that sword of the Spirit, with that word of God that no matter what comes at you that you have that unflinching confidence that the victory is already yours? I encourage you today to simply stand firm. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You so much for Your Word. A Word that we have seen today is alive and well. And we just praise You and thank You for it. Father, we just thank You for this service today. I thank You for these folks that are here I pray that each one of them is blessed for being in the house of the Lord today. And Father, I just pray that You take us from this place, that You watch over us, that You care for us, that You continue to keep us safe in this very challenging time that we live in. Father, I also pray for our folks that are not with us today. I pray for the folks that we talked about a while ago that are are on our prayer list, Father. I pray that that the need that they have will be met. Father, I just pray as we leave this place that You'll guide and direct each step that we take and that You'll bring us back safely at the next appointed time. And it almost slipped my mind, Father, but we desperately, we still need rain. And I pray that You'll bless us with some rain. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen.